Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Romans Bible study. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in my office behind Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad you're watching with us today, wherever you are, whatever time it might be. And uh, we're just so excited about being able to share God's Word. And uh, There's no life that can be found outside of that which comes by faith in the Word of God. We live by faith, we walk by faith, and if we're seeing anything properly and spiritually, it will be by faith, and that means through the blood of Jesus, where we were given our eyesight, and we're just thankful to be able to study God's Word in the context in which it was written to us, which is righteousness. And I'm not here teaching on righteousness today. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 9, and we will begin in just a moment if you want to get your Bibles in verse 6. But I always like to remind the people that all of God's words are in righteousness. Every word God has ever spoken, everything in your Bible is in righteousness. And the righteousness of God, that, that uh, uh, the Bible tells us that in Proverbs 8 and eight. These things you need to know. These things will help you uh, learn better. These uh, things the Lord has shown us to bless you with because he's blessed us with uh, certain scriptures because we are righteously dividing God's word as it is truth. All of God's word is truth, but it is in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says that the righteousness of God is revealed to us in the gospel from faith to faith. That means faith that comes by hearing God's word in the gospel context to faith in hearing God's word in the gospel context to faith in the word of God in the gospel context without the gospel context of all of God's Word, we're looking at it, studying it, and trying to receive it, force it down our throats, when the Holy Spirit can only impart it, lead us in the Word of God as truth in the path of righteousness. He's only able to write the truth. He's able to lead us in into our hearts. And I want you to understand that. I want you to get that. If you get what I just said, and it all being scriptural, and I'll add one more scripture you can write down. Think about these things. Pray on these things. You're going to find the Lord confirming these things to you. <clears throat> Proverbs 12, 17 says, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. So we've seen two things already. And see, this is an intro that needs to take place all over the world before the word is preached. Now, I know it won't because most even ministers do not understand what you're hearing with your ears right now. And I hope you would receive it because it is the Word of God. He that speaks truth, Proverbs 12, 17, shows forth righteousness. If it's not truth being spoken, held in its righteous context, preached in its righteous context, there will be no showing of righteousness, no presentation by the Holy Spirit through that minister of righteousness, and where there is no presentation, no viewing of the path of righteousness through truth, there can be no leading of the Holy Spirit in the path of righteousness shown forth in truth. He leads us, guides us in truth, and the result of that every time is righteousness, if it is truth. 
Amen. The, the fruit of all biblical proper faith, the, the fruit of proper biblical faith will always be that of the fruit of righteousness. Never forget that. We need to know these things. So what have we said this morning? Every word in the Bible has to point you to Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary. Your faith must be in that alone, not just Christ, but Christ and what he did at Calvary. And we say it all the time. We'll never stop saying it because it is the power of God. Even under the old covenant, when they would read the law, they had to sprinkle blood on it, the people, and almost everything there because without faith in the blood, the Bible is absolutely nothing more than another book. Without faith in the blood, the Bible is out of context. It cannot be uh, imparted by the Holy Spirit. That's why for centuries, literally centuries, outside of people being born again and spirit-filled, there's not been much happening. There's not been much happening. It's, I read books by commentators some hundreds of years, a few hundred years ago, and you know what? They're saying the same thing then the writers of commentaries are saying today about how the world has crept into the church and all these things. Nothing seems to have changed. The church has been asleep, still asleep, and the only ones who are awakening in the church are those who are awakening to righteousness. And that means they're coming back to the cross, seeing it all through the cross. They're not banging their Bible on the pulpit saying we've got to get back to the gospel. We've got to get back to the gospel. And, and that's the end of their message. And what they're saying is right, but they're not preaching the gospel when they open their Bibles up. And most ministers, when they hear this, they say to themselves, if I start doing that, I'll lose all my people. And see, what God hears in that statement what God hears in that statement is the preacher telling God, I'll lose control if I start preaching the message of the cross. I will lose control. And the reality is ministers aren't here to control. They're here to present the gospel, God's word in its righteous context, open the Bible, <clears throat> and let the word of God become the living word of God in our flesh that we might express Christ and the Holy Spirit take control instead of the ministers trying to control. Think about that, folks, because 99.9% .9 of the true born-again, blood-bought church is operating in the control of men, the fear of men, instead of the fear of the Lord. Now, I want you to remember that. If we can't open our Bibles and point to Christ and what he did at Calvary. If we're still sitting in denominations or churches or anything spiritual, called spiritual, and we're trying, still trying to figure out how the church needs to wake up, what can we do? We'll see what we're seeing today. Churches having movie night, dinner and a movie on Wednesday nights instead of the preaching of the gospel. We'll see churches watching family-oriented movies on Wednesday night instead of the preaching of the gospel. It's all a desensitization. Uh, we're being desensitized. We're, being, we're falling more and more asleep. But thanks be to God, the Word of God, it's not, as we're going to see here in just a minute, it's not as though the Word of God is not having any effect because it is having an effect 
on those few today. I said those few today who are learning to hear God's word in its righteous context. Watch this now. In Romans chapter 9, Paul says to the church in Rome and to you and me today, in verse 6, not as though the word of God has taken none effect. What he said here, it has had some effect. It's not as though the word of God has had no effect because it has had some effect. He says, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Now I want you to think about this this morning. <clears throat> Paul has just got through saying in verses 4 and 5 that, and, and even the first uh, five verses of this ninth chapter, he's grieved. He has continual sorrow over the nation of Israel, his own flesh and blood who've rejected Christ. They, they don't want anything to do with Christ. They, they, they're being told that if we go after Christ and if he's the Messiah, then we've got to, you're, you're telling us, Paul, that we're not under law anymore, that the law is, 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 is just gone. And, 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 and see, that <clears throat> you won't ever understand things you should understand outside of the wisdom of men if you don't cling to that nail-scarred hand, not in word form, but from our hearts, continuing to trust only in nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not saying we do and then looking for other answers. Saying we do and doing the do. We only trust in what Christ did at Calvary. That's what my hope is in today. That what he provided for me there in his death will be what I, all I need for today's grace, today's power and strength, today's mercy, joy, all things. I'm trusting only in the righteousness of my God, which was found in Christ, listen, through his death alone. Never forget that. If it's not the cross alone, then with our hearts, we're telling God the cross was not enough, and we don't need to do that. <clears throat> but he says in verse 4, he says, The Israelites were given the adoption, they were given the glory, they were given the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises. Verse 5, they were even given the patriarchs, the tribes of Israel. God's people were birthed and raised up, given all these treasures. And listen, friends, it all came through the Word of God. That's why you don't ever need to get carried off into all these other writings out there. What you need is tied to the Bible, the Word of God. When you go outside the Bible and start listening to things, you're going to find men writing things that are contrary to the Word of God. Because the pride of man, the fear of man, the wisdom of men, the cross is against all of it all of it. It rebukes all of it, rejects all of it, and, and won't be in agreement with any of it. It is the cross, period, the death of Jesus, period, that God will save through, deliver through, and pour out his spirit upon. Anybody who disagrees, they're just disagreeing with the word of God. But he says, even though Israel has been given all these things, and Paul said, I'm grieved that we've been given all these things. And there's only a mind, you can't even hardly find the number in Israel that would believe upon Christ. 
You, I mean, even, even at the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved and then more would be saved. But compared to the numbers that, of people who made up the nation of Israel, there would be hardly any. And until this day, every person that's of the lineage of Abraham, a true Jew according to the flesh, if they've not accepted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, they have not made heaven their home. They have accepted the lie and they've tried to hang on to that which God did away with, the Bible says, that he might establish the new. He did away with the first. Listen, they've not made heaven their home because they were a Jew. Let's read this. Not as though the word of God has taken none effect, because it had taken some effect, because Paul's a Jew. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be. Let's keep reading this morning. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Now, this one verse in verse 9, I mean 8, tells us that just because you're here on the planet, and there's another one in the book of Galatians that tells that we're all the children of God, wait a minute, in Christ Jesus. We're not, the, everybody on the earth today is not the children of God. Everybody on the earth is the creation of God. Only those who are in Christ are the children of God as he makes us new creations in Christ. The old creation is just the creation. Now, God loves everybody, and he is long-suffering. He's waiting on you and everybody that you know in the world, every person, to be born again because it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should, that they should all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not God's will that any per should perish. But just because you're alive today doesn't make you a child of God. Just because you're born as a Jewish person whose lineage literally is the lineage of Abraham doesn't make you a child of God. What makes you a child of God and a child of the promise is if your faith is in that promised seed of the woman given by God to Adam and Eve way back in the garden. The seed of the woman, he told Adam and Eve, will crush the head of the devil, the enemy. Now think about that. Think about that. That happened at Calvary some 4,000 years after the promise was given. And that promise would come through this lineage, the patriarchs, the, the word of God, the, the adoption, the glory, the covenants. All these things were given to Israel. And then when Jesus, the Savior, the one all these things have always been about, showed up, they wouldn't receive him. They received him not. He came to save his own. They received him not as a whole. Because just being a, a, a child of Abraham won't get you to heaven. Millions, hundreds of millions of those who've been born of the flesh of Abraham have died and gone to hell. And because we see this, we see that not only because you are in Abraham's lineage, are you not going to heaven, but you have to accept Christ. Because Abraham, and we'll see this here, Abraham had two sons, Isaac 
and Ishmael. Ishmael was the was the child that, that, that Abraham and Sarah had because they got ahead of God. They got in the flesh and didn't wait on God for God to fulfill his promise. So they got in, thought they could fulfill it. So you better hear that today. You better hear that. Without our faith in the promised seed, which is Jesus Christ, and that place of faith alone, we're, we're trying to get ahead of God and make things happen. Basically, that, that's happening all in the church. We claim we're healed when we're not healed. We're still sick. and all We, we make believe. We pretend. And we call it faith. Faith is believing, trusting in that which you're hoping for. For your faith is the very substance of that which you're hoping for. But you can't go around declaring things that aren't, aren't right. You don't go to God and say, God, I'm not sick. But I need your touch. No, God, I'm sick and I need your touch. We get flaked out when we forget the only object of faith God has given humanity is that seed, that promised seed. His name is Jesus and what he came to do for us at Calvary. He says, That is, they which are the children of the flesh, that means in the fleshly lineage of Abraham, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for Israel. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. That was the, listen, that was the word of, the word. The word of promise. If your word of promise today, my friend, if you're saying God's promised you this and God's promised you that, but you're not being pointed to Calvary, maybe you're just making things up because you want it so bad. If you if the promises of God, the Bible even says, are all in Christ. You and I, if we're born again, we're in Christ, but Colossians 2 6 tells us that we're called to walk in Christ. And you don't walk in Christ just because you've been born again and placed in Christ. You walk in Christ if your faith remains in Christ what placed you in Christ, and that being the sacrifice of Christ at Calvary. Never forget, if you move away from Calvary, you're moving away from God under your own wisdom and your own authority, influenced all by the evil one. Now think about this. The children of the promise are counted for the seed. For The children of promise are counted for the seed. Think about that. Galatians 3 calls us that seed because we've believed upon Christ. We've been joined with Christ. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We've become one with the seed, the promised seed, because we're in him. For this is the word of promise, verse 9. At this time will I come. Now, now, now think about that. Powerful pointing, again, symbolically, a type of God coming in the flesh Sending his son, Jesus, I will come. If God don't come, it ain't going to happen, my friend. But God came. God gave his only begotten son. God brought that seed to us here far before. Everything in the old covenant is a type and a shadow in symbolic form of Jesus and what he would do at Calvary. Never forget that. Everything has to be viewed through the seed and what that seed would do to be able to be planted to bring forth 
the fruits of righteousness. Think about this. We're planted together with him in death. If we're not planted together with him through our faith in his death, we're not with him. And we're not really walking in faith. We call ourselves walking in faith just because we quote the word and say, I'm believing this scripture today. But if we're not, if our faith is not planted in Jesus and his death, God's not given us any other thing to place our faith in. And you say, wait a minute now, preacher. We've got the whole Bible. Jesus' death is just how we got initially saved. Listen, again, let's go back to Proverbs 8 and 8. All of God's words are in righteousness. Righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, which is Jesus and what he did at the cross. So, you were declared righteous, made righteous, made servant a servant of righteousness. Romans chapter 5 and 6 tells us both those things. But for us to express the fruits of righteousness means that our faith has to stay in the only avenue grace comes into our lives daily, which is the cross. Nothing else. God doesn't give grace because what we go do, God gives grace to us which means God is going to function in us, for us, through us, and to us what is needed because of our faith being in that place, that one and his work of righteousness that grace flows through. For if there is no flow of grace, there is no flow of righteousness. There is no fruits of righteousness. I want you to hear that. We've got scripture for all we believe. Folks disagree all the time, but they don't bring scripture. They just bring hearts of disagreeing flesh because it's not what they've been taught. It's not what they've heard all their lives. Let me tell you something. Most of you probably all your life have not heard what you need to hear, and I speak personally from experience my own self. And once we were born again from that point on, we, we just used God's word and sit under preachers using God's word that pointed to everything other than what the word points to. The living word. The one who is the living word that became flesh dwelt among us and allowed us to behold the glory of the Father through what happened at Calvary. It's all tied to Calvary. Folks today in the church are even sick of hearing the message of the cross. And some are even saying when they hear teachings or preaching like this, they'll say, man, what are you trying to talk? Man, we've been hearing the message of the cross for 2,000 years. For salvation, yes. But for living daily victorious lives and receiving the grace for functioning as the body of Christ, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Turn on the television. Flip through the channels. You will find just about everybody you listen to talking about what you have to do if God is going to save, if God's going to deliver, that you'll hear preachers making comments like, God helps those that helps themselves, and all these things that sound so spiritual, but are unbiblical. God sent his son to help all of us, to save all of us, because we were all helpless, and nobody can help themselves. God has to help us, and he's telling Abraham here, well, he told Abraham, you read it back in Genesis, he said, he said, uh, this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. Don't you think about that. God has to show up. 
And he doesn't show up because of anything we do. He shows up because what our hearts believe. You know how many people gather on Sundays and Wednesdays and many other days and they think God's going to show up because of this and that. Now I know some's listening to me. What about praise and worship? Listen, God don't show up when you pray or in your praise and worship if your faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ. Think about that. Think about that. Somebody told me the other day, well, I don't understand that statement because prayer does work. Absolutely prayer work. Prayer is what God gave us to be able to commune with him. But James said, I don't have what I need because I'm not asking for what I need. And now I still don't have what I need because when I'm asking, I'm asking according to the ple the pleasures of the flesh, to carry out the flesh, just what I want, when I want, how I want. And I, I guarantee it when I'm asking God, I'm trying to put a spiritual tone on it and I don't even know I'm trying to manipulate God. See, here we are back to my words the words of my lips are not all, it's not what God's looking at. He's looking to see what I really want. And we're not animals. We can take a step back and see, am I really asking for these things for the will of the will of God to be carried out in my life? Which means that which will grow me and mature me, that which God will be able to come and function in my life and through my life. Is that what I'm really after? Or am I just consumed with asking for things that I would just want to consume on the lust of my flesh? Come on now. This is not what we're used to hearing, but this is what we need to be hearing. There won't be many that hear it in these last days. You can count on that. There wasn't hardly any of Israel that got saved when Jesus showed up in the flesh to walk among them and even to do the great miracles. Hardly anybody believed on Christ. Still today on the planet, compared to the numbers that are on the planet, very few people are actually believing in and upon Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that. To believe in Christ means you're going to follow Christ. Doesn't mean you, mean you just tell me you believe in him. Means you're going to forsake everything else and let him lead you, be your Lord, your King, and guide you through this life bringing you the benefits through your faith in what he did at Calvary to open the door, not only to your way into heaven, but your way into all the promises and all that you need to express him in this life. Think about it. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. Now, we're getting close to being out of time today, but this is about to get, this is about to get really good. It's already good, but it's about to get more good. Uh, because God knows even when we're in our mother's womb who's going to serve him and who's not. And the promise only came in the word of promise. 
And God had to come and bring that word. God had to show up again and fulfill that word. Without God showing up, my friend, nothing's going to happen of God. That's why we have, as the church today, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Because without Him, nothing's going to happen. But you need to know this. God only works in truth. Psalms 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. We believe the truth. God saved us. God moved in, and God went to work. Hallelujah. And we can be confident that he will continue and finish this work until the day of Christ if we allow him to. What do you mean? I've never heard things like this before. If we allow him to, Galatians, the book of Galatians alone, tells us that we can remove ourselves from him, we can fall from grace, and the book of Revelation is full of warning to the church that we don't have to walk in Christ. We're in Christ in our position, but in our condition, we still today have to choose to maintain our faith in the sacrifice of Christ not saying that's what we believe, but humbling ourselves and becoming obedient unto death, the death of Jesus, enduring the cross in our lives for that joy and for all the benefits that have been set before us through our faith in the one who provided that death for us. Jesus, not only Jesus had to endure the cross for the benefit set before him. But it's the only avenue God has given us to endure the cross, to deny ourselves daily, to take up our cross, to endure the cross of Christ in our lives, that which has come that will set at variance, uh, bring a variance between us and others. And I'm going to say this in closing because I'm out of time. We'll start here when we take off Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. When you, when you see the message of the cross as what God is bringing his church back to, nothing else, because it remains to be the power of God, you're going to find yourself not you isolating yourself from others, but others isolating themselves from you. But you're also going to find yourself coming out from among those who continue to refuse to believe this avenue is this narrow. Now I want you to hear this today. Don't let the isolation, the separation that's taking place cause you to Go, milk down what you're... I've watched it. I've watched it through the last several years. The isolation is tough. When you begin to be pushed away by people you've known for years, you've been in relationship for years, when you begin to be pushed out, not welcomed anymore because of this, that isolation is a test for you, my friend. Will that cause you to allow things to be allowed back into your ministry that is not a part of this great reformational redemptive truth for everyday powerful sanctified living. Don't let the isolation and the separation 
move you away. And it, and it is doing that, and people are watching. If you're allowing others to come and feed the sheep that which is not beneficial. I hear people all the time saying, what a powerful message that was. And it, and it was not a message that opened God's Word and pointed people to Christ and His redemptive work. And the process of thinking behind that is we're beyond that. We don't need that anymore now. We need this. Let me tell you something, friends. When you move away from the, the process of I need more of the cross of Christ in my life, you're moving away from what the Holy Spirit, the avenue through which the Holy Spirit, only avenue through which the Holy Spirit is going to be able to function in your life. And you're going to find yourselves playing around with things that eventually is going to rip you apart and bring great embarrassment to your life and ministry. So I encourage you today, when you're feeling alone, look to the cross. Christ was all alone. When you're feeling isolated, look back to Calvary. Not one stuck it out with Jesus. He went it alone. Same thing's going to happen the more you begin to study God's Word in the context of the only avenue through which it was written. The blood of the Lamb. I want you to pray for us. Times are going to get more and more tough in these last days as you're ridiculed, criticized, and even persecuted for faith and faith alone in the great sacrifice of Christ. People you've known in ministry are going to push you aside. They're going to use their own man, wisdom of men and fear of men to try to talk you out of staying the narrow course. Now, we're going to be praying for you. I want you to support us financially. If you're growing through this ministry, I want you to support us Financially, you can do that on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can do that through pulling your smartphone out, texting to 903-231-5950. I'm not ashamed to ask for your help because I know every person that does, God's going to bless. See, God finances and blesses the gospel. The enemy is financing everything other. Never, ever forget that. All these things you see that are prospering and going that's not preaching the message of the cross... God's not financing all that. The enemy finances everything that's outside the perimeters of the gospel through men he controls to control men. God finances the gospel that when believed, he, allowed, he is allowed to control his people. God bless you. We love you. Please share these teachings on social media with as many people as you can, and I'll see you next time right here. God bless you.